0: Welcome to the China Global Podcast. I'm Bonnie Glaser, Director of the Asia Program at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. In today's episode, we're going to drill down into China's relations with the Philippines and examine how that relationship might change under the new government in Manila, headed by Ferdinand Bangbang Marcos, Jr., Marcos's predecessor, Rodrigo Duterte, tried to improve ties with China in the hope of securing economic benefits for the Philippines, but didn't end up with much to show for his efforts. During the presidential campaign, Marcos did not openly criticize Duterte's China policy. In fact, he argued that the policy of engagement was correct, saying, quote, we don't want to go to war with China over the South China Sea. Moreover, the Marcos family has maintained warm ties with Beijing throughout the decades. But changes are clearly afoot. Marcos is adopting a tougher stance on the South China Sea disputes and calling for a renegotiation of loan agreements with China for railway projects worth almost $5 billion. Joining us today to discuss past, present, and potential future developments in China-Philippines relations— I'm joined by Charmaine Willoughby, who is Associate Professor of International Studies at De La Salle University in Manila. Welcome to the China Global Podcast, Charmaine. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So how would you describe former President Duterte's approach to China and the evolution of his policy over the five years that he was in office? And and what do you think the key lessons are that should
1: be learned from that period? Now is actually the perfect time for us to be discussing this because President Ferdinand Marcos gave his first State of the Nation address a couple of days ago. And based on that speech, there was definitely a shift in the Philippines-China policy. If we look back at the Duterte administration's policy during the campaign uh, back in 2016, he did mention that he was going to ride a jet ski to the contested waters of of the South China Sea. He would plant the Philippine flag and he wanted to challenge China to a fist fight or a gunfight. But interestingly, when he was in office, all of that bravado kind of just went away. And it was very clear that his policy was a pivot towards China at the expense of our alliance with the United States. So in that sense, one of the key lessons for us to remember is that for President Marcos, there has to be an overarching strategy regarding China. Unfortunately for President Duterte, um, and as was revealed towards the end of his administration, that overarching strategy was missing. And that explains the oscillation of the Philippines' Foreign policy, being more like you know, knee-jerk reactions rather than the result of careful deliberation. So that's one very important lesson for the new Marcos administration. What would you regard as the crucial events that shape relations between China and the Philippines during the Duterte era? I would say that there are three very important events. The first one being the Arbitration Award in 2016. That was definitely a win for the Philippines, but the Duterte administration was not able to leverage that. The second one was President Duterte's now infamous war on drugs, where China offered its support to how that that war on drugs was being conducted. And the third event is the pandemic, where China was the source of vaccines in the Philippines. And did that have a positive or a negative impact uh,
0: in terms of China's assistance for COVID?
1: It's both positive and negative in terms of impact. On the positive side, the massive rollout of Sinovac, um, China's vaccines, was the first vaccine that was rolled out in the Philippines. But the disadvantage of that is that for Filipinos, in the early stages of the pandemic, they had no choice but to just get the Sinovac vaccine. So, so yeah, so there were both, you know, positive and negative impacts of China's vaccine diplomacy. It's only been a few months, of course, since Marcos was inaugurated
0: president. But if you look at the developments that have transpired so far, how do you think that his China policy is going to differ from Duterte's? And what do you
1: think will be his main considerations in dealing with Beijing? We can expect some aspects of the Duterte administration's foreign policy to continue in the new Marcos administration. But at the same time, we can expect a lot of changes because of the very rich domestic dynamics that are at play here. If we recall, when Marcus announced his candidacy in October 2021, he immediately met with the Chinese ambassador to the Philippines. And then when he was presumptive president, he had a very lengthy conversation with President Xi where they talked about shifting the bilateral relationship to, a quote unquote, a higher gear. And so in that phone conversation, President Xi mentioned that he prefers continuing discussions at the bilateral level rather than at the multilateral level. And I should emphasize at this point that the Philippines should leverage the multilateral level to ensure that the arbitration award is implemented. So it just goes to show that China still has this preference for a bilateral relationship. At the same time, a couple of weeks ago, when we celebrated the sixth anniversary of the arbitral ruling, the Chinese foreign minister came to the Philippines for a visit. It was, you know, it it was very good timing because, you know, shortly before the anniversary, he arrived. And that is already an indication of a lot of things and how China is continuing to prefer a certain way forward with the new Marcus administration. Hmm. What do you mean by a certain way forward? Can you elaborate? Um, well, I expect that China, of course, would want to have the same kind of closeness that it had with President Duterte. But, of course, there are some differences with President Marcus considering how much more firm he was regarding protecting the Philippine sovereignty, not giving an inch and, and so on. And this was mentioned again in the uh, recent State of the Nation Address. So let me
0: ask about how relations with the United States fit into Marcos's strategy toward China. Do you think he views closer ties with the U.S. as strengthening his hand with Beijing? Or do you think he's going to seek to avoid taking sides between China and the U.S.? Or do you think his strategy is something else?
1: Similar to the bilateral relationship with China, we can also expect continuity and change between the Philippines and the United States. Now, it's important to put this into context because the U.S.-Philippine relationship under Duterte was interesting, to say the least. He has always had a very strong anti-U.S. position, even when he was still mayor of Davao. And then during his presidency, one might recall the dramatic policy shifts from, you know, wanting to abrogate the Visiting Forces Agreement to changing his mind to once again, um, you know, going the opposite direction to finally canceling the abrogation after U.S. Secretary of Defense Austin's visit to Manila in mid-2021. So we can expect something very different from the Marcos presidency because, number one, he does not have as intense of an anti-U.S. sentiment as Duterte. And if anything, the entire presidency will be about the the restoration of the family name of Marcos. This was, after all, the foundation of his successful campaign. And the narrative that took root was really about the reign of his father was considered as a quote-unquote, the golden age or the glory days of the Philippines, despite the massive human rights violations. So in that sense, there's that very important restoration aspect and factor, and that would certainly filter into and find its way into the bilateral relationship with the United States. I want to ask a little bit about public opinion. If I'm not mistaken,
0: public opinion toward China in the Philippines is the most negative of all the ASEAN countries. And it's been trending in a negative direction in the last several years. What is it that the public in the Philippines has found most concerning about Chinese behavior? And do you think that public opinion is going to have more of an influence on policy going forward?
1: So in 2020, my colleagues and I have conducted a study on the perceptions of the Filipino strategic community. And one of the most interesting findings that we had in that study is that despite the Duterte administration's pivot to China, only about 27% of our respondents said that they preferred China as a security partner. The top three choices are actually Japan, the United States, and Australia. These numbers indicate that trust towards the United States remains very, very high. Now, In the pre-pandemic era, mistrust towards China is attributed primarily to the influx of mainlanders in the Philippines working in what we call the POGOs, Philippine Offshore Gaming Operations. So these gaming operations were banned in Macau. So they had to move to the Philippines where the legalities and documentation and paperwork were a lot more lax. So these pogos took over the business districts in what used to be the call center offices in Manila. Apart from that, so they took over the business districts, but these mainlanders also had to find places to stay, places to live. So these migrants kind of drove the real estate prices Up, because they had to find like condos and apartments. And it's worth mentioning that these condos and these apartments used to be occupied by overseas Filipino workers and their families. So that kind of drove the locals away and the apartments are now overrun by a lot of these Chinese workers. So it's changing a lot of the local and societal dynamics and that comes into play in policymaking. What about the opinion of fishermen
0: Have they been very concerned as a result of the fact that it is very difficult, if not impossible, for them to fish around Scarborough Shoal, where, of course, the Chinese took control in 2012, and there's been harassment by Chinese law enforcement vessels in other areas around the Philippines. So has this
1: been a factor as well? Absolutely. The plight of the Filipino fishermen is actually something that made the South China Sea issue an election issue. Whereas before, you know, the South China Sea just kind of flew over the heads of, of most Filipinos because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not an everyday concern. But when a lot of Filipinos heard about how the fishermen were being harassed and that translated into higher prices of fish in the, in the markets, now it became even more apparent that this is, you know, an everyday issue. This is a kitchen table issue or a gut issue. So that's how the China narrative and the South China Sea issue kind of, you know, proliferated in domestic society. Earlier, you mentioned
0: that Wang Yi,
1: China's foreign minister, recently
0: visited the Philippines. And of course, he held a meeting with President Marcos. That was on July 6th. And Wang was reported as saying that Beijing was ready to help usher the two countries into what he called a new golden era in their relationship. So, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about how China's responding, but I'd like to drill down on that a little bit more. What is it that you think the Chinese are trying to achieve? And is it possible, like, maybe they'll overplay their hand because they'll try to put pressure on Marcos to do something that maybe he doesn't want to do? Is that a possible scenario? I would imagine that they would like to try to keep the Philippines on China's side and prevent it from sort of slipping towards the United States.
1: Uh, But I wonder... Do you think that they're really anxious about that possibility? I expect that China would like the same kind of relationship it has had with President Duterte to continue in the Marcos presidency there have been a lot of these overtures and President Marcos seems open to these. But at the same time, Marcos has been quite strong in his stance. He put his foot down in regard to the protection of the Philippines' territory and sovereignty. So that being the case, I also expect China to boost its influence in the economic front. But even in this area, it must know that it has to work a lot harder because the investments that it poured into during the the Duterte administration, given the fact that China provided support to Duterte's infrastructure program, that did not bear much fruit. So I expect China to also be working very hard on the economic front, but it has to offer a different type of program than it did during Duterte's administration. The Chinese
0: and the Philippines have been holding talks in the past few years about the possibility of joint energy exploration. And I think that Beijing was hoping that this would be the first successful joint agreement with a country that has a claim in the South China Sea. And so it must have been very disappointing uh, to them that the Duterte administration, just before leaving office, cited constitutional constraints and issues of, of sovereignty and apparently announced the termination of the negotiations. I'm really curious if you know anything about the background. This was surprising to me, but I don't follow this quite as closely as I'm sure you do. Do you think that Marcos will stick to this decision or will he try to revive the negotiations? And what are the implications? of cutting off these talks.
1: Well, President Duterte sure doesn't make it easy. So this decision right at the very end of his administration is really very interesting and also poses a very big challenge to the new Marcos administration. My observation is that he, meaning former President Duterte, realized towards the end of his term that his pivot to China did not really bear much fruit as he would have liked. So this explains why he terminated the talks on joint exploration and also why he turned once again towards the United States, despite all his talk throughout his time in office. This offers an opportunity to the Marcos administration administration to craft a more well-meaning China policy. Unfortunately, he did not really speak explicitly and overtly about this during his State of the Nation address. Apart from the fact that President Marcos wants to protect the sovereignty of the Philippines, he did say he was not going to give an inch and, and he would do whatever he can. But, Uh, What was absent in his speech was any mention at all about the West Philippine Sea, the South China Sea, the arbitral ruling, and so on. So again, the devil is in the details. It's good that there are these general and generic pronouncements, but we would like, we meaning the Filipino people, would like to know a little bit more about the details about how these general policies are going to be implemented.
0: If the Philippines were to sign a joint energy exploration agreement with China,
1: what would be the reaction of the public? Typical of any South China Sea-related concern or issue, this has to be translated into the everyday life of people. So if we just say, you know, oh, joint exploration with China, that might not resonate as well to the general public. But if that is translated to access to fishing grounds or that would mean more employment for local folks, then... Definitely, there would be more support for it. So it's really about how the government will be able to craft the narrative so that everyday people could understand. Another
0: recent development in the relationship is the railway projects that were funded by PRC Loans. And once again, this is this is fairly recent. I think I just read this a couple of weeks ago, uh, media reports, that Beijing has not followed through on its funding pledges. And of course, we've seen in other countries with these BRI loans that there have also been difficulties. But it's often complicated because sometimes the difficulties are posed by the recipient countries. <laughs> They're not always the problems that emanate from China. Apparently, President Marcos has ordered the transport ministry to renegotiate the loan agreements. And and we know, like in the case of Malaysia, that was done successfully for some of their projects. So is that the likely outcome for this particular set of infrastructure projects? Do you think China will offer better terms, the loans will be successfully renegotiated? And if not, if it's a different scenario and the projects are not finished,
1: what impact will this have on bilateral ties? I do hope that there will be better terms, but this also casts a spotlight and reflects on the country's economic policy. Referring again to the State of the Nation address, there were a lot of economic targets that were identified, but these are just targets. These are, you know, goals. And again, we need to see the exact steps that we would need to take to achieve those goals. The economy is not doing very well. The inflation rate is consistently rising and uh, recently are central bank declared an interest rate hike. This will translate to issues on employment, food security, oil prices, you know, whatnot. So yes, domestic issues will be inevitable, which then will push the Marcos administration to do a delicate balancing act between these issues and foreign and defense issues, not only in the South China Sea, but also the implications of the Ukraine crisis. So I'm going to be a little unfair and ask you to look into your crystal ball
0: (laughs) Um, over the next five years. And of course, we know in the Philippines, the president only gets one term and it's five years. So what do you think is going to happen over the next five years? What are the things that interested observers should pay attention to in the Philippines' relationship with China and with the United States? What are the factors that are going to shape this relationship?
1: My crystal ball is telling me that the Philippine-China bilateral relationship should move beyond just the South China Sea. This is very important because the relationship should go beyond these very tense issues in the South China Sea. There are other areas where they can cooperate, um, particularly in the non-traditional security realm, such as, for instance, the protection of the marine environment, coastal development, and pandemic recovery. So in the next five years, if the two countries can focus on this instead of just, you know, butting heads with each other in the West Philippine Sea, South China Sea, I think the two countries can achieve achieve more. What are the prospects for a
0: potential real flashpoint in the South China Sea and the thing that comes to my mind in particular is Second Thomas Shoal where of course the Philippines has an old uh, uh, corroding <laughs> navy ship that it got from the United States beached on the shoal which of course they put there deliberately in order to assert sovereignty. And the Chinese have periodically been interfering with resupply operations. Do you think that there is a real chance of a crisis that could even lead to shooting between the two sides? What would happen if China actually tries to dislodge the ship or if uh, Filipino Marines got killed? Is this something that people in the Philippines think is a possibility? Do you think that this is a possibility?
1: I think it's a possibility. I don't want it to happen. And I would like to make sure that it doesn't happen. So I expect that this to and fro will continue. And our Department of Foreign Affairs should keep on filing diplomatic protests and should not drop the ball in terms of filing those protests. My worry is that the trigger would be in other areas, not necessarily in what's happening in the second Thomas Shoal. So this is why it's so important to also harness the other aspects of the Philippine-China bilateral relationship instead of just focusing solely on the South China Sea issue. Because if we realize that there are other aspects of the relationship, then we will also know that we can continue cooperation in other areas instead of just hinging On the very tense issue of the South China Sea.
0: Terrific. Well, we've been talking with Charmaine Willoughby, who's Associate Professor of International Studies at De La Salle University in Manila. Thanks a lot for talking to us at China Global today. Thank you
1: so much.